Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Trey, heads or tails? All right, let's go tails. It never fails. Not even once. It's heads. Except for now. <laughs> uh, well, Trey, I wanted to talk to you about some quarterbacks because we're doing a quarterback episode. So the question I have for you today. Now, now hang on a second. Are you saying that my tails actually won? It never fails. I thought we established that. <laughs> so we're go we're going with even though I won the coin toss, Trey's getting the ball. Yeah. I you know what? I defer to Trey. There we go. Perfect. Yeah, that's what Repeat. we're missing. There it is. Coin toss champion Trey. <clears throat> Bring it on. Who will start sooner in the twenty twenty three season? Will that be Lamar Jackson or Trey Lance? Interesting. Uh I pretty comfortably think it's going to be Lamar Jackson. I don't think he ends up sitting and missing the whole year. I think he does end up starting for a team somewhere in the league, even though today we don't know what team that's going to be. Uh, I do think there is a more highly likely possibility that Trey Lance is not the day one starter in San Francisco. Um, I think that's more likely than Lamar Jackson not starting anywhere. So yeah, I think Lamar Jackson, we see him on the field. Tark, do you think we're going to see Lamar Jackson on the field soon? I, I do. I mean, I agree with Trey here. It's like there is a non-zero chance that Lamar Jackson sits out for the year because right. like he can't get a trade and, you know, he refuses to go back to uh, the Ravens on the non-exclusive tag like that. There is a non-zero chance there. But I think there is a greater chance that Trey Lance isn't playing. You know, they go with the quote unquote leader of the clubhouse uh, with Brock Purdy. That's kind of what the direction they're leaning in now. I am hoping that the Minnesota Vikings trade for Trey Lance, though. That would be really Ooh. fun. Uh, he's from Minnesota. And Kirk Cousins, you know, he's not the long-term answer there. I, I feel like he hasn't been for a while. Like, he's fine, but I, I would like to see Trey Lance in Minnesota. With that said, do you think that Trey Lance is a buy right now? I know for sure that there is a buy window for Trey Lance because of all of the speculation on Brock Purdy starting and but there there are some some trade candidates. Do I even heard the Titans were interested as well? So it depends a little bit on what the price is. Do you guys know what he's going for right now? I don't have it up. I think essentially I'm gonna like rip Jacob Sanderson's uh analysis on the Trey Lance situation right now, post that Brock Purdy news. It it depends on your team build, I think. Like if you have a team that is in a little bit of a reset mode for 2023, you can handle a little bit of risk and but also upside in your QB room. I think he's a good buy. Um at the same time, like there's there's risk here now. You know, this is going on two, possibly three years of Trey Lance not getting significant playing time. You know, there's really we don't have enough data on him to make a confident call on if he is good or not. So we don't really have that as part of the equation. All we really have is like a few games over the first two years and looking like the likelihood of him sitting to start year three. So there's a lot of risk there. I think depending on team context, he could be a sell or a buy. Yeah. But uh, while Trey responds, I guess I will look up what Trey Lance's current price is on Keep Trey. I mean, my response is pretty easy. It depends on the price because uh, I agree with what you said. Uh, I see a huge, huge risk with Trey Lance now compared to where we were a year ago. And not to mention he's coming off like the massive injury too. Yeah. 
He's quarterback 18, according to Keep Trade Cut, and he's weirdly behind Jordan Love, which, cool. And uh, he's one ahead of Kenny Pickett. So uh, yeah. that that range probably puts him at like uh, one, like the 10th pick in the first round, I guess, this year. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's so reasonable. Would yeah. you would you be buying Trey Lance with the first or with the tenth pick in the first round this year? Yeah, I would. I yeah. would. I, I would buy him for the first, you know, the a late first in twenty twenty three. Some guys ahead of him on keep trade cut at different positions. George Pickens, I would probably sell for Trey Lance. Brandon Ayuk, I'm a big Ayuk fan, but you know, given the proper team context, I would sell Brandon Ayuk for um for Trey Lance. So you know, looking at the linear values here on keep trade cut, I think you could confidently say buy. But again, like adding some context to it in terms of what is your team build? You know, how much risk are you able to take on? You know, are you a portfolio player where you don't mind taking on that risk or are you a rebuild player, et cetera? Like, I just think it it, it needs more granular analysis on like a team by team basis. All right. Well, last thing before we close this very long coin toss, give me a percentage. What do you think uh, the the odds are of Lamar Jackson starting week one since we didn't really talk about him much? I would say greater than 50 percent. I'd say okay. yeah. somewhere in that 50 to 75 percent range. Yeah, I was going to say 70 to 75. So I might be a little bit more confident than Trey, but around the same. Must be range. all those Lamar shares you got boosting your confidence. Yeah, that is. You are not lying, Mitch. What about you? What do you think the percentage is? I I'm the low guy here. I guess I'm at like forty nine percent. I I feel less than good, <laughs> but I'm not shitting my pants. <laughs> Practically right. the same as where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> What is the goddamn deal, everyone? Welcome into episode 82 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a bi-weekly, tri-weekly, monthly, you know, dynasty fantasy football podcast where we talk about dynasty. You know, Uh, I I messed up that intro because, guys, I'm rusty. It's been three weeks since we've been live with me, Mitch Yates, Trey Cryan. I even did that in the wrong order. I'm all over the place. Mitch, what's going on, man? Oh, what's up? I, I actually liked it. I, I gave you the old ooh when you changed the, the the intro there. But I just got back from Austin, Texas. Congrats to my sister for getting married. Um, always love going home, visiting the city that we're all from. But yeah, uh, it's it's good to be back after the, the three-week hiatus. So you were in Austin to witness the... Uh, Longhorns lose in the Elite Eight when they had a 13-point lead in the second half. Mm-hmm. I actually got to watch the the whole or half of the second half, the best part where uh, I was actually at Chewy's at the bar and uh, yeah, some sad folks there. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's too bad. Well, um, you know, hook them, I guess. I guess. But, Trey, what's up with you, man? No, uh, March Madness, uh, we're right in the middle of it right now, like you said. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, unfortunate to see the horns blow it like that. But, uh, you know, I mean, who would have had FAU and San Diego state in their final fours, you know, it's been a a crazy, crazy tournament so far. So definitely been fun to watch, but, uh, excited to be with you guys and, and talking about my favorite fantasy sport, which is fantasy football, of course. Oh, you too. Yeah, I'm glad we have a fantasy football podcast then, because 
if if we were all on like a fantasy baseball podcast, probably have a lot less fun. Oh, it would. It'd Remember be so that boring, one dude. year we did fantasy basketball, and it was like the worst experience of my life. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 willing to try fantasy basketball again, but uh, yeah, that one year was 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 not great. I think there's just a learning before we, curve. Before we move on, I am actually in a fantasy basketball championship right now, so I got I got Jimmy Buck Butler, Jimmy Buckets going tonight. So I really need him to put up some uh, some stats here against the Raptors in Canada. So let's go, Jimmy Buckets. I, I can I can agree with that. Yeah, one of Mitch's favorite players, Jimmy Buckets. Mm-hmm. All right, back to football. What are we doing today? We're talking rookie quarterbacks. So part three of four of our 2023 rookie prospect evaluation ahead of the NFL draft. We're going to talk about the top five quarterbacks, um, you know, according to most ranking services, keep trade cut, mock draft database, et cetera. We're, we're limiting it to five because essentially everybody after five is like considered, you know, a early day three pick at best. So we're going to keep it relevant kind of to the first few rounds of your rookie drafts. In addition to talking about these rookie 2023 quarterback prospects, we're also going to sprinkle in a little bit of free agency analysis here and there. Like we said, we've been off for three weeks, so we kind of missed the peak of free agency news. Um, so you've probably, as the listener, have you know heard a good amount of analysis on free agents. But you know, we are a dynasty fantasy football podcast. We want to give some hashtag takes on those guys. So you'll hear us talk about free agents uh, in the middle and the end of the episode. But without further ado, let's kick off the first half talking about these quarterbacks. And Trey, I'm going to kick it to you for our first guy here. All right. Sounds good. So let's start with CJ Stroud out of Ohio State. He was a two-year starter there at the Ohio State University 2021 and 2022. He took over that offense after our guy, Justin Fields, left for the NFL. He's got good size, uh, definitely good enough for the NFL. He stands at six foot three, 214 pounds. And uh, in this rookie class, he is my, my QB1. So I'm excited that we get to kick it off with him here. I think it's very, very likely that C.J. Stroud is either the number one or number two pick in this uh, actual NFL draft, either to the Carolina Panthers or the Houston Texans. We don't really know for sure yet. Uh, Seems kind of likely it will be Carolina, but we'll see. Uh, And I think the main reason for that is that he, in my view, is the best passer out of this group of rookie quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you listen to some of the scouts takes on C.J. Stroud, Uh, They really love his combination of accuracy and arm strength, and he's really got a knack for hitting his receivers in stride. And he's had some pretty good receivers to work with in his time at Ohio State. But um, yeah, no kidding. On top of that, though, he's he's got the stats to back it up. He's got the seventy one point nine percent completion percent for his best single season back in twenty twenty one. That's better than Bryce Young by a fair margin, whose best was sixty six point nine percent. And that's better than some of the prospects from previous years like Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields, who are both 70% or lower. Uh, CJ Stroud also had a career average 11.2 adjusted yards per attempt. Again, that's better than uh, Young and the other guys I mentioned. So the downside with CJ Stroud, uh, yes, he's a great passer, but he's really not much of a runner whatsoever. He's much more of that traditional pocket uh, passer type, stand in the pocket uh, type quarterback. If you look at his uh, fantasy points from college, only 3% of his college fantasy points came from rushing. That's similar to the statue that was Mac Jones at Alabama a couple years ago. Uh, and, but 
so that's that's all to say that his upside is going to be limited a little bit because he doesn't have that part of his profile. So you compare that to somebody like Trevor Lawrence. He had uh, 22% of his college fantasy stats come from rushing. So that's, you know, much better rushing profile than a guy like CJ Stroud, um, who's, you know, obviously a little bit more of a statue. But I think the ability as a passer here gives him such a higher probability of success over some of the other rookies that I'm okay to kind of overlook maybe a little bit more of a limited upside due to the lack of the rushing profile. I think the upside here is similar to uh, Joe Burrow, right? Somebody who can come in and lead a modern NFL passing attack that could crack the top 12 of fantasy QBs with their arm alone and without their legs. But of course, the downside with somebody like that is more of like the, the Mac Jones mold or Jared Goff, somebody who can just come in and be a game manager type and isn't really a difference maker for fantasy that. And so we know that that probably is like the QB two range, like in a super flex, which is still usable, but not a difference maker. Right. So when, when it all shakes out in your rookie drafts, I like CJ Stroud first quarterback off the board, one Oh two, right after Bijan Robinson. Yeah. Trey, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Um, I, I do think that Stroud is the best passer of the group. And I mean, like you said, he's not a runner either, so that limits his upside. But uh, I don't, I don't see anything too close to Burrow because, like, he doesn't have like a cannon. He has more like a like a catapult, I guess. Like he throws those moon balls with perfect accuracy, sixty yards down the field. But like he lacks a little bit of that velocity that I like to see in quarterbacks that just purely pass for fantasy. Of course, we're not talking about his NFL ability here. So I feel like he is the safest quarterback in this group, and I think that he's really talented. But um, I, I think that, and I know this is kind of a, a thing that a lot of people are talking about, Bijan Robinson in a super flex, I don't think that I can justify at all C.J. Stroud over Bijan. And um, I, I, I know that, I, I suppose Bijan is is that guy, but... Yeah, I, I just wish there was a little bit more on the ground game to to give him that upside. I, I feel like he's just, he's not top 10 to me. I think that he's like like high-end quarterback two, which isn't that exciting, and I'm more excited about the receivers and running backs in this class. Yeah, let me throw a couple things out there. One, I agree with pretty much everything that's been said about Stroud. Uh, he actually is my QB two. We'll talk about my QB one here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, like Trey said, he's currently the betting favorite to be the QB one off the board to the Panthers. So, you know, the, the NFL is telling us something there, right? He's a great pocket passer. That yards per attempt was 93rd percentile. Like Trey said, 70 plus percent completion percentage, but like, I also agree with Mitch here in terms of like profiles more like a low end QB one. And if you look like blended on keep trade cut with veterans, that's around where he's going. But there's some quarterbacks in there that I would rather have than taking the bet on CJ Stroud. So if you can trade that pick, you know, 102 or 103, if Stroud is on the clock, if you can trade for Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray or even with this uncertainty we talked about with Lamar Jackson, I wouldn't even be mad about Deshaun Watson. You know, he has other issues, obviously, um, that can't be, you know, reset enough. Um, but 
I, I do feel like CJ Stroud in the wider marketplace outside of just rookie drafts is being a little bit overvalued. And the final thing I will say here is to Mitch's point about Bijan. Like if you are a desperately quarterback needy team in your rookie draft and you have 101, do trade back. Like do not <laughs> waste that pick yeah. on anything other than the sure thing that is Bijan Robinson. Trade back to 102 or 103 or even 104 if you want. Get a decent piece in addition to that. Don't waste that value at 101 by taking anyone other than Bijan Robinson. Yeah, so a couple things out of there. I mean, I I haven't really got into where I would stack him into the ranks with Fair, the vets, yeah. you know. So, I mean, just looking at the rookie landscape, I'm I'm curious to hear who you have ahead of him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I was a little bit closer between Young and Stroud just listening to, uh, you know, the conversation around these guys over the last several months before I really dug in and did the analysis myself, uh, which, you know, the the passing stats make me feel that, you know, CJ Stroud has enough passing upside to where he could be a difference maker even without the ability yeah. to run the ball. So, you know, we've seen like Joe Burrow come into the league and, you know, part of the reason why he stopped running was because of the injury, but he's been massively successful post-injury because he's got, you know, talented weapons yep. around him and he's got all the arm talent in the world. I think if you if CJ Stroud, I think that upside is real. There is a path to him being a top six quarterback in the league within his range of outcomes here. So, so you know, I have a little bit of exception with, you know, the limited upside there, but I recognize that because the rushing isn't obviously in his profile, then you know, you then he's clearly not in the same conversation as like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson and the obvious upside that their rushing profile presents. And the difference, I think, between CJ Stroud and Joe Burrow from an upside standpoint, and this it's not easily quantifiable in terms of numbers, but I think what you read in the uh, in the scouting profiles is that CJ Stroud's mobility in the pocket is even, you know, no rushing, but also limited mobility in the pocket mm-hmm. versus Burrow, who is an elite pocket manipulator, right? So I think there's a little bit of nuance there. I like, I appreciate what you're saying in terms of like upside with the arm as well. But I think like Burrow has him in a few scouting perspectives that I, I would not necessarily project the same kind of upside. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And I, I think it's okay to say that he's a bit overvalued but still the number two pick in the rookie draft here. Like it, yeah, he, yeah, he's sure. appropriately valued when it comes to the quarterbacks in this draft class. But when it comes to the blend of vets and rookies, I think that's where it gets a little complicated. Uh, he's ranked ahead of Kyler Murray, as we just talked about on keep trade cut, which I, I, I'm not behind that, but uh, Dak Prescott, I, I, I do think that I have Stroud ahead of, Prescott and I know Tarek you mentioned that I think Prescott unlike Burrow I think Prescott is closer to Stroud's upside yeah than Burrow is um but you know I definitely do not disagree with he's worth the 102 pick in your rookie draft Mm -hmm. all right uh so I think that wraps up CJ Stroud um I did not expect to like come off as a Stroud hater. Take him at 102. So uh, let's let's get that clear before we move on to this next guy, Mitch. Who is that? Or you could take this guy with the 102. Uh, I got I got Bryce Young, and uh, Bryce Young's out of Alabama, and he's listed at 5'10", 204. Dude broke out in 2021. He was the Heisman Trophy winner. 
Uh, he was also a two-year two-year starter. He had 48, 72, 4,872 yards on 547 attempts with 47 touchdowns to seven interceptions and a whopping zero rush yards. The dude just said, fuck running. <laughs> and then last year, he took a small step back. He had 3,328 yards on 380 attempts and dropped down to 876 per attempt from the previous 8.91. And uh, Bryce threw for 32 touchdowns and five interceptions. So he did take some steps forward on running the ball. He he ran for 185 yards, which is 185 more than zero. He's <laughs> 21 years old, and he's most likely about to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. And he might even be the first overall. I don't think that he will be, but I, I don't think that that's completely off the table yet. So... I have him currently as my quarterback two in this in this class. So uh, I wanted to talk about what I saw on tape, though. And we just talked about Joe Burrow being an elite pocket manipulator. I, I think that Bryce Young is absolutely a magician in the pocket. The way he moves around and escapes from pressure might make you think that he's actually a running QB, but he's always keeping his eyes down the field and looking to make that throw. And he's just he's insane at escaping the pocket and keeping the play alive and allowing the defense to break down. And then that results to a huge play with his arm. And so when he's not running around buying time for himself, though, he can throw a really nice touch pass, uh, a deep throw with some finesse or even drive it pretty well over over the middle there. And he keeps the interceptions low, as I mentioned, seven in 2021 and uh, five last year or so. What's not to like? And I think that's where we get into the the size, like the 5'10", the, Itty -bitty. the, the, the small yeah. stature. And he doesn't really have that fastball that I mentioned. Like, he does have a, a nice deep ball. I just wish he just had a little bit more velocity, similar to C.J. Stroud. And, yeah, uh, his size, his play style, too. Um, and the word injury. And, you know, I, I hate hearing about how a rushing quarterback's going to be hurt. You know, it's mostly nonsense. Every quarterback's going to take hits. But I do have concerns that uh, the way that he, he plays, like the way that he escapes the pocket, he, he takes a lot of hits like that. And he doesn't get rid of the ball quickly. So he's going to take more contact in the NFL because of that as well. And uh, he he does well under pressure, like he steps up into pressure, but he'll get hit making a great throw, which is concerning as well. All that said, I think he's going to be fine. I think that the talent prevails here, and he's got a ton of it. And whenever I watch him play, I think my closest comp is Russell Wilson, the the good one though, not not the guy wearing that Russ jersey last year. Um, I have Stroud around quarterback ten ahead of guys like Tua and Deshaun Watson. And behind guys like Lamar and Kyler, literally one spot behind C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit of uh, just big agreement here for me. Uh, looking at the stats, his best uh, single season completion percentage was 66.9%, like I said earlier. So not quite this as productive as Stroud and other recent quarterbacks we've seen. He did have a really solid 10.0 uh, adjusted yards per attempt for his best single season. Uh, so that's pretty close to a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who we all loved two years ago. Uh, obviously, you know, the two-year starter at Bama. So he's seen, you know, the best of the best in terms of competition. And you mentioned the uh, the mobility in the pocket. 
Uh, again, this guy is not really, you know, doing a whole lot with his legs in terms of generating rushing yards, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, yeah. 100 rushing yards, right? So um, I don't think it we can really project him to be like a Kyler Murray type whatsoever. No, he's not. Uh, but because he's not, right? But I do agree that, you know, he showed more mobility in the pocket in order to avoid some of those hits, to find some of the, you know, open passing lanes. And some of that is certainly by necessity because of the fact that he's so small, like he's going to have to have that mobility in order to find those passing lanes and see yeah. in between, you know, the sea of uh, offensive linemen and defensive linemen that are, you know, standing in the way between him and his receivers. So uh, I like him as my second QB in this class. I do think that he's safer than the other guys out there and there's some decent upside, but um, you know, not as much of a sure thing to me as, what I'm seeing with uh, CJ Strauss profile. All right. So Bryce Young is my QB one, uh, but I'll caveat it again by saying like, it's very close because like I see the arguments that y'all are making for Stroud. The biggest issue here is Bryce Young is very small. Like Mm -hmm. he's similar in size to Kyler Murray, but I wasn't as worried about Kyler Murray because of the way he's built. Like, Kyler, they, they're like the same height and weight, but the Kyler is like shorter legs, beefier torso and young is like somehow like more of a lanky five ten. you know, mm-hmm. like he's not, he's just thinner, you know, than Kyler is. So I think any size concerns with Kyler that you had, you know, coming out of the 2019 draft, you should probably have more size concerns with Bryce young, but agreed. I think he's really good, man. I think like, yes, passing stats are not as solid as CJ Stroud, 91st percentile QBR, 76th percentile yards per attempt, uh, not adjusted like Trey was saying, but just raw yards per attempt is 76th percentile. So those are solid. They're not like elite, but they're solid. And I think, you know, according to some scout portfolios and just what I have watched of him at Bama, I think he's just got the demeanor. And that calm kind of clutch gene, like the moment is not too big Mm -hmm. for Bryce Young. And here's how I, because I struggled with, is it Stroud or Young for me? And here's where the tipping point was for me. If it were my team, the Cowboys drafting at 101, I would want them to draft Young. I just think he is better, you know, as like a franchise player than Stroud would be. And yes, the size and injury concern is an issue for me, but if that's the biggest issue, and I think that his decision-making, his processing, his demeanor is more, I think that is more on the side of Young than Stroud. As a football fan, I would want Young. So that's what that was the kind of tiebreaker for me in terms of who's going to be my QB1. But, you know, I say this often, I'm definitely open to being convinced otherwise. I think both of these quarterbacks have shown a lot of poise, and I do agree with you with Bryce Young. I, I I see that sort of like leadership and that it factor, and I I really think we cannot overemphasize how close it is between the two. I did want to tack on that I think that um, towards the end of last year, Bryce Young showed like that he can actually run and he had a lot of big runs as in like big moment runs third down third and 15 just he's able to do it and I I feel like he was kind of learning that as part of his game 
and kind of developing like that, like kind of how we saw Danny Dimes develop his running game a little bit. Um, I, I think that it's in his wheelhouse. So um, I, I'm kind of holding out that that might be part of his game moving forward as well. Yeah, uh, Danny Dimes was a much, much more prolific runner at the college level than Bryce Young was. So he's got a, a long way to go to get to uh, Daniel Jones level. Uh, Tarek, I really disagree with you here, man. I, I don't see it. I don't see why uh, he's got that dog in him is the difference maker here. I think like the um, the size, uh, the passing ability, the passing production, all it kind of leans towards Stroud which to me that signals better probability of success. So if you have two relatively similar profiles where they're competing at the very top of the college football table that, you know, to me essentially is the difference maker where yeah, Trey, Trey I, I respect like where you're coming from, which I think is obviously, and I, I completely recognize it's more science and like maybe my perspective is more art, but I think like in terms of what, I, I do not think the the passing production is so different, you know, especially because I I, pref, I would prefer the player to come out of the SEC than the Big Ten. So, you know, if we adjust for that, maybe it comes a little bit closer. But like where I am coming from is I believe that Bryce Young is a better processor of information. Like he does not need the same amount of time and protection and weaponry that Stroud did at Ohio state in order to produce. And I think he manipulates the pocket and is much more mobile than Stroud, which like Mitch said, it probably won't translate to rushing production in the NFL, but it has a better chance of translating than Stroud. And I just think like his upside as a mobile pocket passer actually is closer to Joe Burrow than Stroud's, which was the comp that you were making there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's close. Like I, I don't, I think I'm closer than you are between them. Like you think there's a pretty clear, distinct difference, but I just think, I just think Bryce Young is better. Ah, man, Stroud processes really well. That was one of like the things I really liked about him. And he's also able to hit that first read, um, and I think that it actually takes Bryce Young longer to process. But again, there's the magician aspect where like his, his improvision is just better. And I'll give you I that. Think, I, I think there's a lot of film evaluators who would disagree with you that uh, Stroud is is a is a better processor than than Young. So I, I think, you know, there's again that's where it's not really, you know, it's not really quantifiable. If it is quantifiable, it probably lands on the side of Stroud because of his superior efficiency in passing stats. But I don't know. I, I see a better NFL quarterback in Bryce Young than I do in CJ Stroud. And and I just want to help us, you know, move the conversation forward here. I think, you know, for valuing them for our rookie drafts, like because we are, you know, close enough here, I think, you know, we're all in agreement put them at the top QBs in this rookie class. I like 102 and 103. 102 and 103 on and on the big board of rookies. Uh so I think we're all on the same page there. Uh do you guys think it matters who goes to Carolina and who goes to Houston cuz I don't think it really matters I do. to me. I do. Because that'll be the tiebreaker for me, I'm sure. Car Carolina is a better environment for sure than really? Houston is right now. I think so. Yeah, I think Carolina I has a better offensive line, a better defense, a better coaching staff. Like I, th I in terms of 
I'm excited for D'Amico Ryans, but I, you know, I think the Frank Reich, the I probably trust to develop too, yeah. a, a quarterback a little bit better. So that's a good point. I personally think I would prefer young, my preferred quarterback to go to the Panthers, but I think it's going to be Stroud. It tells me two things too. It, it tells me that the brass had the choice between the two and chose one. And I, I again, if it's very close, I'm going to take the tiebreaker of the guy that went first overall. I yeah, like I, I I saw some analysis that like Frank Reich d- really likes like more prototypical sized quarterbacks. So um, that's one of the reasons why Stroud is such the betting favorite. But I'm sure there's all you know, Vegas knows more than we do. Yeah, Just watch Richardson go first and fuck this whole thing up. All right. Well, speaking of Richardson, let's move on to this third guy. And I'm going to take the lead here with Anthony Richardson, Jr. out of Florida. So. Richardson barely played in year one back in 2020. He was mostly just a situational rushing threat then in year two. And then he took over the starting job in year three. So this is basically a lack of experience that backed into 13 total starts, one in his sophomore year and 12 in his junior year. And in that junior year, he compiled 327 pass attempts for 2,549 yards That's 7.8 yards per attempt. That's okay for the NFL. It is not okay for college. And that was on only a 53% completion percentage. So, you know, I say that lack of experience, really bad passing production. So why is he being considered a top five potential NFL draft pick like Mitch just referenced? Well, uh, you've probably heard uh, over 1,000 yards rushing and 12 rushing touchdowns in his sophomore and junior seasons combined. And perhaps more importantly, in terms of like the recent hype, a combine for the record books. So 44340 <laughs> at 6'4, 244 pounds. That is a 99th percentile speed score and 40.5 inch vertical and 10 foot nine broad give him a 99th percentile burst score. What that means is a relative athletic score of checks notes 10. So what do we do with this? You know, bad passing stats, elite athlete. Remember when Lamar Jackson was coming out and there was that insufferable narrative about his inability as a passer, his inaccuracy, et cetera, et cetera. Lamar Jackson had much more experience than Anthony Richardson and much better passing stats as a Heisman winner at Louisville as a true sophomore. These passing numbers for Richardson they're really concerning as to his ability to hold on to an NFL starting job if he just can't get it done. Now, all that being said, like Lamar Jackson went late first. Anthony Richardson is projected to go early first, right? And I think if that plays out, you draft him at 104 in your rookie draft due to the upside. Like, There's a chance he goes to a situation where he's allowed to develop and gain experience after only 13 starts in college. I'm thinking about Detroit or something like that. If you're solid at quarterback on your dynasty team, I can see taking a high hit rate receiver like Jackson Smith and Jigba over Anthony Richardson at 104. But I think in most situations, I would advise taking the QB here and plugging up receiver needs through other avenues. So, you know, to summarize, it's all about the rushing upside should Anthony Richardson back into that top 10 draft capital. But there's a lot of risk there. The thing with Anthony Richardson that gets me is I don't even think we're having this conversation right now if it's not for the success from Josh Allen, right? 
like Josh Allen came into <laughs> yep. the league a couple yep. of years ago with like the shittiest, uh, you know, passing profile, like 56% and 56.3%. And I think it's giving it's like bad. everybody everywhere, like this false hope that like Richardson, who is not a passer can develop into a, a NFL level quarterback. And, and I just don't see it. It's not a bet that I would want to make. I think if, when it comes time for me to like rank versus my receivers, I will probably be taking JSN over Richardson, uh, but the upside is obvious. I think it's just, you know, how much risk are you willing to take on here? I'm willing to roll those dice though, because the upside is literally the the highest it could be. I mean, if you landed like a Cam Newton or a Josh Allen, which Justin look, Fields, I, look, look, man, the guy can jump out of the stadium, literally, not, not figuratively. He can literally jump out of the stadium and, he could truck somebody. He's just incredible on the ground. And so I I don't know. It's it's very tough for me. Like, I think what it comes down to is when he gets drafted for me. If he gets drafted top 10, then yeah, I'm in. But if he slides like Malik, I'm out. So, you know, that's going to be really helpful information. Um, I don't really care the landing spot. I care the draft capital on this guy more than anybody else that we're going to talk to. Um, it's going to signal whether he's going to be used as like a quarterback or like as a, as a weapon. And well, so for now, for now, we got to work with what we have, which is mock draft database saying he's projected to go top 10, top five or six in the NFL drafts. So you think that that's high enough to where no matter where he goes, you're willing to make that bet. I'm willing to make the bet because the payoff is huge. And if, if I fail and, you know, miss out on one of those wide receivers, that so be it. But I would, I would actually argue that the payoff actually isn't as huge as maybe you're stating like, yes, it's big, but it is limited by the fact that he can't throw. And, and so you, you're projecting that he's going to take that same path of development that Josh Allen did to like develop into like one of the best passers in the league, which I mean, that that's the only really avenue that this ends up paying off. I think. Yeah. J- Jalen hurts uh, would be another example. I think like Justin Fields last year might be like his ceiling right now because like Justin Fields was a much better passer in college, but oh, has been miles dog better. shit. I, I'm just not- horrible in the NFL though. Right. So if we expect that Anthony Richardson is probably going to be bad as a passer, but an elite rusher, I think like Justin Fields last year, who was QB five in points per game, that's pretty good upside still, right? Yeah. And he's going to have that upside no matter what. So if he develops, then you have a, a top five quarterback at the position. Nobody can run like this in the NFL right now at the quarterback position. Uh, Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson can, but I mean, not a, Maybe nobody know, can man. jump like that. Run through your ass. Mitch, <laughs> Mitch, you seem to be the most kind of excited by the upside here of the three of us, even though all of us recognize the upside. Let's say Anthony Richardson gets drafted number one overall. Does that change your quarterback rankings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll push my chips in. Look, guys, I'm going to fully acknowledge that this is not a safe bet. But I do think the payoff is is huge. I do think that if that sort of commitment, let's not forget that the Panthers traded up for this pick. If the Panthers pushed all their chips in for this guy, which I don't think they did, but if they did, then I I don't see any reason why not to just hop on that party train. Trey, final thought? 
My, my final thought here is that this Jalen Hurts disrespect just has to be called out before we moved on because <laughs> Jalen Hurts was a much better passer at the college level than what we saw out of Anthony Richardson. He it, it Jalen Hurts' worst year as a passer completion percentage-wise was 60.4%. He had three other seasons that were better than that, one that was over 72%. So I just want to give my my guy Jalen Hurts some love before we we keep this trucking. I I appreciate that, Trey, because I was the one who unintentionally slandered Jalen Hurts there. Um, but her, yeah, we we love Hurts. We're pro Hurts here. I have one last thought here. Go for and it. I think because, look, I, I think a lot of people feel the way that Trey does. I, I don't think that there's any reason to feel bad about that either. I think that that's perfectly logical here. I don't feel bad here. about it. Right. I, <laughs> I, I don't think that there's really, a, I don't think that it's wrong necessarily, but I do think that you're going to be able to get a pretty discounted uh pick here if like at the 107 or something like that if people pass he's on not him gonna, in the rookie he's, draft he's not gonna fall to 107 i mean if he gets top five draft capital top 10 draft capital i guarantee yeah he's not making it past 105 it'll be interesting when we get into like mock drafts uh for the next couple episodes because uh i could see him going anywhere as high as like 103 down to like 106 or so depending on how you feel about gibbs and jsn he I mean, he briefly spiked up to the 102 conversation right. because of that that hype after the combine. So if he gets, you know, he gets drafted by the Panthers, I, I could easily see his market value spiking to 102 in rookie drafts, which you could you probably would want to sell 102 in that instance. All right, mic check. It is halftime. Okay, like I said, we're going to be talking about some free agency moves uh, that, you know, we think our listeners uh, should think more about that, you know, maybe move the needle. Trey, uh, what's the free agency move you want to focus on for halftime? All right, shifting gears here because uh, we've been off for a couple weeks. So uh, this move that really caught my eye was uh, Rashad Penny uh, signing to uh, lead the uh, running back room for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I think there's a really decently high probability that he ends up winning the RB one job in Philly and takes over the Miles Sanders role uh, immediately, which uh, I think means that he's probably slightly undervalued right now. I, I went and I looked at where he's going on best ball drafts. Uh, he's currently uh, running back 34 on underdog and he's moved up ahead of Kenny Gainwell, which I think is interesting. Uh, it seems like the uh, underdog market is already recognizing uh, him as the RB1 in that backfield. And on keep trade cut, he's at RB38. Uh, so going a little bit lower there, that feels a little bit too low to me. Let's not forget, like Rashad Penny has been very efficient when he's been on the field uh, in Seattle for the last two years. He's been a top five running back in uh, true yards per carry and breakaway run rate, according to Player Profiler in 2021 and 2022. And yeah, a lot of people are looking at Philly and saying, okay, they're probably going to take a running back in round two or round three of the rookie draft in April. But until they do, I think we need to understand that like there's a likely possibility that Penny wins the RB1 job. And even if they do draft a rookie, there's still a possibility that Penny, you know, holds on to that RB1 job just because he's good. And that's a top three offense. That could be a very productive situation for Rashad Penny in 2023. Yeah, Trey, I, I really like that. I I was actually going to go with Penny as well. And one thing I, I've noted about the Eagles is that they love that committee thing. So this might actually be really good for Penny and 
preservation yeah. because the elephant in the room is this guy is also number one and most hurt running back ever. So, like, I mean, you know, he signed what a one year deal. So, yeah, super cheap. Miles My- Sanders role, right? Give and me that probably, injury discount. Probably a better rusher than Miles Sanders. So, at least in terms of what we've seen. But yeah, I, I love this. I think Rashad Penny is he's. I mean, his value, I don't know if there's a player whose value has seesawed as much as Penny. Like coming into the league as a first round pick, you know, pretty highly touted and then getting hurt all the time. Then when he comes back, he fucking balls out because he's really good. Then he gets hurt again. Like, yeah, I mean, you got to ride the wave. The Eagles also ran the ball more than anybody. So like, even if he is in a committee, like, yeah, I am very, very in on this tray. Yeah, I mean, Miles Sanders had a great year last year, and Mitch, I think you have something to say about that. Yeah, Miles Sanders is my my choice here. The the newly anointed Carolina Panther, officially the twelfth highest paid running back according to RotoWire, and I like this a lot. He's running back nineteen on keep trade cuts. That's another guy that I like the discount here. He has a four year deal. Uh, that's essentially a two year starting gig with an out afterwards. And uh, Carolina was ninth in adjusted line yards and 12th in open field yards, according to pro f- or, uh, football outsiders. And the Panthers are about to draft a quarterback and lean on that run game. So I, I think this was important for the Panthers and free agency to-, to square away this running back situation. There's nobody really behind him. I don't care about Chuba Hubbard. Uh, and yeah, I expect his snap share to increase from that 57% that he was getting in Philly. And even with that snapshot, though, Sanders was uh, number five in yards and had 4.9 yards per carry. So I I think that he gets a bigger load on his plate and he's going to be good for the next couple of years. So I got him at running back 15 ish right now. So a little bit ahead of where he is. Yeah, I'm I'm not as high as Sanders just because I think there's questions about his talent and ability. But uh, I mean, he'll certainly get a lot of opportunities. I think the question is, how valuable will those opportunities be? if that's a rookie uh, quarterback leading that offense. So it could be a little bit tough sledding from uh, Sanders in uh, 2023. Uh, I think I'm realizing as I talk how high I am on a penny because I think I might take him <laughs> over Sanders straight up. Uh, obviously, obviously there's Ew, a little bit of more injury risk, but uh, I think let's just call out that like, you know, there's also a possibility here that Carolina uh, takes a running back in this draft as well. They, Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, call it contract bias or something like that, but I think taking the, you know, one year 1.2 million over the four year 26 million guy with, you know, Miles Sanders has been an efficient runner, not as efficient as Penny, but I don't know. I I think you're what here's where I want to pivot because I don't want to get into too much of a conversation about Penny versus Sanders here, but I think both of these running backs, they kind of, lend support to the strategy that we've talked about before in dynasty where you sell premium running back assets for more insulated value and quarterback and wide receiver, et cetera. And then you stock up on players like Penny and Sanders for cheaper to try to fill that running back need. What do y'all think about that? Um, you know, irrespective as of, you know, our valuations of these guys. Well, yeah, I, I think that's what is attractive about these players to Trey and to me where you want that, that running back, that mid-range running back that has the potential to be a top 10 running back. And, I mean, you know, I'm following the money. He's following the the, the, t- yeah. the, the raw efficiency. talent. Yeah. So, and the offense. And, right. and the touchdowns. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, good point. I mean, it's the Eagles. That's the best offensive line, one of the best offenses. Like, I can't be too mad at you, Trey, but I I think I'll take Miles Sanders over Penny. Listen, uh, big difference in price to RB19 versus RB34 on uh, Keep Trade Cut, right? Yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, and my free agent that I'm going to talk about here is not technically a free agency move, but Brandon Cooks to the Cowboys moves the needle for me in a lot of ways. So he was traded from the Texans to the Cowboys for a fifth round pick kind of in hindsight makes the Amari Cooper trade seem pretty weird. But despite the decline in production last year, which I think you can easily explain away via injuries and disillusion with the Houston Texans, Matt Harmon, my guy, he did not notice a marked drop-off in his success rates and reception perception. Here's where my take is. It's not really about Cooks, who's wide receiver 54 on keep trade cut. I think that's fine. But I think Cooks is a professional NFL wide receiver. He's only about to turn 30. He's been productive for a very long time. And that's a lot more than we can say about any other receiver options on the Cowboys outside of the best wide receiver on the planet, C.D. Lamb. This helps the offense. It helps Dak. It helps CD. I think it just helps, you know, the the movement of the ball down the field. And with Michael Gallup potentially being a little bit healthier this year, I think this just lifts all boats on the Cowboys. And I would be buying the Daks of the world, um, even, you know, CD at cost. And if you want to throw a wide receiver 54 price tag at Brandon Cooks, I think that's fine as well. I, I think that's... Uh, Brandon Cooks being undervalued right there, if that's really his price tag. Uh, I mean, I think essentially if you have him on your contending roster, this moves him from a borderline starter up into your starting roster. So I agree. I think this is a great move for Cooks. Also agree. I think that if you're planning on contending, this is a great throw in piece to any sort of trade that you're seeking out. But yeah, uh, Cooks, has anybody ever been traded as much as Brandon Cooks? (laughs) It's like a sixth or seventh different team, like, right? This is ridiculous, but but yeah, I, yeah, he's it's, he's all over the place. It's a great deal, though. I mean, the dude still got it, and he's constantly being discounted over and over and over every year. I, I hope there's a thirty for thirty on him one day that explains what the hell is actually happening. Maybe he's a dick. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, but I'm excited. But let's kick off this second half. Let's talk some more quarterbacks. We got two more guys to get to. Trey. You have the ball. All right. So uh, Will Levis, Will Levis, anybody know Levi's. the pronunciation there? Jeans. Levi's. <laughs> Will, Will Wrangler. <laughs> I'll say Levis, and then you guys can tell me if uh, I sound like an idiot when this is all uh, done and over. But uh, yeah, Will Levis, uh, six foot four, 229 pound senior out of the University of Kentucky. Uh, we know he transferred to Kentucky after two years at Penn State, so got out of the Big Ten and left for the SEC. Uh, similar to you, Marles, uh, but mm. uh, you're going back, right? That was dog shit in the <laughs> SEC, dude. <laughs> Anywho, uh, two-year starter for the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, Will Levis didn't exactly light up uh, the box score with his production numbers in his time there at Kentucky. Uh, his best season completion percentage was 66%. That's not great. Best season adjusted yards per attempt was 8.2. That's not good either. Uh, And then his rushing yards. He had 376 yards rushing in 2021, less than four yards a carry. 2022, negative rushing yards. So that's not great either. Listen, I think I'm going to have to rely a little bit on some of the scouts takes to really give my opinion on Will Levis. 
So if we turn over to Lance Zerline, he gives Levis a 6.34 prospect grade, which means will eventually be a plus starter. So that's pretty good signal. Uh, mentions that he's physically gifted, has a big arm, but issues with his accuracy and consistency. Uh, they mentioned that he is a capable runner, but Levis really needs to improve on his ability uh, outside the pocket and on the move uh, to be able to work downfield. And the comparison for Will Levis is uh, Jay Cutler, who we all love. Uh, big arm, really good size, but you know, prone to mistakes and a little bit careless with the football. And that does show up in his touchdowns to interceptions ratio. He had 23 interceptions to go with his 43 touchdowns in his time at Kentucky, which is under the uh, two touchdowns interceptions, actually 1.9. So he just misses that mark. But all that's to say, Mock Draft Database still has Levis going in their top 10. And honestly, with the incomplete production, that seems like a pretty good signal in spite of you know everything I already mentioned. So if we're ranking Levis against the other rookie quarterbacks, yes, I would obviously prefer the massive upside of Anthony Richardson over Levis. So I've got him at my QB four, but when it, we put all these rookie ranks together, I think Levis for me is going to end up in the middle to the end of the first round. And I think he belongs in that mix of guys like receivers, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, and running backs like uh, Charbonnet and A-Chain. Because I do think that, you know, if you need a quarterback or, you know, if he hits, because we're not good at projecting, you know, whether or not quarterbacks hit, there's enough here. There's enough raw materials for this to be a plus starter in the NFL, like Lance Zerline is saying. And if that's the case, then, you know, why not take the dart throw on that versus, you know, some of these running backs and receivers where, you know, there's mixed profiles of things we like and don't like. So I thought it was going to actually be a little bit of a hater, but, you know, as I kind of put my take together, I see a strong case for him going in that 107, 108 range in your rookie drafts. Yep. So yep. if he's taken in the top 10, that's a good signal. But if if our guy um, Richardson's taken in the top 10, it's not. I mean, Trey just said that he would rather take Anthony Richardson, obviously, yeah. over Will Levis, but the the... The distinction is you have you probably have to take Anthony Richardson at 104 versus you can get Will Levis at 108, possibly, right? So that's I I, I think you're you're drawing a false comparison there. Well, and there's a little bit of like a tear break for me too, because I think like JSN, my number one wide receiver, I'm saying I would probably take him over Richardson. I would take both the other quarterbacks over Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um whereas like with Levis, like I would consider I mean, I would absolutely do Richardson. I would do JSN. And then I would start thinking about some of those other Gibbs would go before Levis for me. It's those next tier of quarterbacks and receiver or receivers and running backs where I think it's it's kind of a clump for me right now with Levis. And mm-hmm. I'm not really sure where that's going to sort out until we, you know, put our ranks together. Yeah, I wasn't trying to to fire shots at you, Trey. I was just trying to figure out where, it, where to put uh, old William bootcut Levi's. Um <laughs> look, I I like him. I like the size. I I like that Jay Cutler comp. I I, I like that the gunslinger mentality's in him. And if he's taken in the top 10, it does it for me, just like it did for Richardson. Like, that's a big deal. Um, It means a team's going to commit to him for several years. And are are you going to take him over JSN or or Gibbs? I, if he, if he goes top 10, Honestly, or I guess you're QJ. So you're Q- Quentin Johnston is your wide receiver one. Would you take Quentin Johnston or uh, 
Will Levis, assuming we get top 10 DC. If he gets Levis. top 10, I'm in. And Ooh, okay, that's spicy. Yeah, and uh, I know, man, but he's, like you said, he's a willing runner and he's he's a big dude. He's got the arm. He's got some zip. Like, I, I too am leaning towards uh, Lance Zerline for, for some help here because, I mean, I don't know, right? Like, this is this is definitely a risky, risky guy to, to hit your wagon to, but... I think he has more like arm talent than than he's being given credit for. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's there's raw arm talent there. There's a big arm for sure. I think the question is around the decision making, the processing, you know, the accuracy. carelessness with the football, the accuracy. And and but that's all I coachable, was, right? I, it, well, I think. Yeah, I I if I, you're Josh I, Allen, I guess it's coachable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just ask Zach Wilson how coachable <laughs> yeah. that was uh, <laughs> with the Jets. Well, he was yeah. busy anyway. No, the guy I was thinking about as I was looking at Levis's profile was Kenny Pickett from last year, and mm-hmm. I think Pickett actually was maybe a little bit more of a runner, and I think Levis uh, is a little bit more of like a big arm, like stand in the pocket with like that mobility. So. Um, I'm going to stick to this Jay Cutler comp. I like it. I think it makes sense. Um, and it could, it could bust like Zach Wilson did. I I think the upside here, you know, it's kind of hard to grasp if, you know, this is really going to be somebody who is like a year in year out QB one. I don't necessarily see it. Um, I think we're kind of hoping for like a Kirk cousins type career arc to pay off on your Will Levis pick. Yeah. He's also 24, by the way, or he'll be 24 when the season starts. So he's a little bit older. A little older. I, yeah. I don't have anything smart to add here. Um, I think, <laughs> like, I'll just echo what Trey said. I think, like, if he goes top 10, but the consensus overwhelmingly is that he probably stinks, then he'll probably end up a nice value in rookie drafts, just like Zach Wilson did. Mm. Like, process on drafting Zach Wilson 107, 108, I think was fine, you know? Um, yeah. it just didn't work out. Well, he also went one Oh two, right? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, in, in yeah. some ways that's a much stronger signal than one, uh, dot 10, but, um, not to split hairs. I, I guess, what do you guys think with Levis on the ultimate upside down the road? I, like, cause Kirk cousins, that Jay Cutler area, that seems right. That low end QB one, but I don't want to just like turn that into a cop out for, you know, any guy who doesn't have that elite rushing profile, you know? Yeah. I, I think the upside is is possible more possible but it's probable i think that there's a good chance that he has it and i i kind of am hoping though that he doesn't get taken in the top 10 and that he goes around quarterback 25 to make my choices easier to make it easier and more palatable to take those wide receivers before him in a rookie yeah. draft but yeah. yeah i i don't know like i said it's if he's taken in that top 10 that's signaling that he's got either the tools to succeed or the the team is stupid and picking somebody that sucks. So Trey, I think, I think Cutler is the comp, you know, I think like he's not, he maybe can run, like he's got a nice burst score. Like I think he had a pretty good broad jump, which is kind of backing into that burst score on player profiler. So maybe he's got some athleticism to him that he's not necessarily showing with his legs that will show up in the NFL. Um, But assuming like it continues in the NFL, I think the upside is Jay Cutler and that's a little bit of an outdated quarterback profile for the modern NFL, right? So I, I think like, yeah, probably low end QB one, but because he's got more of a cannon than a guy like Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott, et cetera, you can you can you can defer to Jay Cutler. But yeah. I don't know if I have anything else like I, I dig it. Uh, top of mind. 
You know what does it. show up on his legs, though? Levi's. Levi's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Levi's. That red Levi's logo. That's right. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right, Mitch, close us out with this last guy here uh, for quarterbacks. Our our last guy, Hendon Hooker, the 2,500-year-old quarterback from Tennessee, <laughs> uh, fifth-year senior, uh, only one year younger than Josh Allen, our, our podcast special mention today. Um, he transferred from Virginia Tech to Tennessee, and he actually improved every year. He was around 63% passing early on in his college career and finished, finished last season around 69.6%, uh, which is nice. Um, he has good size. He's 6'3", 217. He can run. Uh, this quarterback ran more than almost everyone else that we've mentioned, and there was 600 yards his junior year and over 600 his senior year as well. Uh, and last year, super senior year or whatever, he was uh, he had 430 yards before he tore his ACL. Uh, he was named SEC Player of the Year despite the injury, and unlike me being dog shit in the SEC, he was pretty good. So as a big fan of Jalen Hyatt, I got to watch a lot of tape on Hooker, and he loves launching that deep ball. He can tuck the ball and run and truck a defender, um, and... You know, he, he's got to work on his throwing on the run. He's got to work on some of his more intermediate stuff and his reads. But uh, he's a guy that could also get taken in the first round or a dude that could fall to the third or fourth or fifth. So unlike the quarterbacks we've mentioned before, though, I think that he has the most zip on the ball. And oh wow, the, the thing that unfortunately is causing him to fall down the boards is that injury and his age so there's a lot of risk here too and so i think that he could be an absolute steal in like the late first round of your rookie dynasty draft or he could just set you back a little bit um but he is my qb4 i think i i do have him above our our william boot cut so um i reserve my right to change this opinion though i i think that Currently at quarterback 33 on keep trade cut, that's probably a little low too, but I think some draft cap's going to help clear up any questions we have about this guy. I, I would not take Hendon Hooker today over Levis just because if you look at mock draft database, Levis is consistently projected to go top 10 and Hooker is projected to go late second round on average. Uh, so yeah. for me, it is it does almost entirely come down to draft capital because everything you said like yes he is the second best rusher out of the five guys we talked about you know second only to anthony richardson he's also the second best passer just in terms of passing stats he's actually got the edge over bryce young in terms of his completion percentage best mm -hmm. season and his adjusted yards per attempt best season of 11.3 is really really freaking good uh so i really like the the production uh out of him at tennessee if he sneaks into getting that first round draft capital, I will be very interested in getting some Hendon Hooker because I think that means he's worth the investment. But if he ends up being a day two pick, it's going to be hard for me to uh, even think about this guy before the second round of rookie drafts. Yeah, Trey, let me clarify what I was saying there. It, I was basing this my my quarterback four off of the tape. Um, right. Just this is a personal preference here over William Levis. Like I, I do acknowledge that if if he if um, Hooker is taken later 
than Levis that like, yeah, that's probably going to signal that he's going back to my quarterback five. But I mean, just from that eye test and those numbers that you just mentioned, um, Hendon Hooker's a real, real sleeper here. He could be it's all, excellent value. It, it's also an excellent offense and an excellently schemed offense by Josh Hoople. Like I think like Hendon Hooker, his profile and his scouting evaluation kind of gives me Alex Smith vibes, like a game manager type who has the legs and the mobility to keep the defenses on its toes. You know, Alex Smith was the number one overall pick because, you know, he like had a good arm like Hooker does. But I think the reason Hooker is projected to go into the second round and maybe, you know, it just takes one team to select him in the first, but he's projected there because he is older, the injury concern, but also I think like the general consensus is that a lot of his success was a product of the offense. And when you like look more deeply into, you know, he, he, he can like only read one half of the field and Tennessee schemed that half of the field really well with Hyatt and Tillman in order to help him succeed. So I think in terms of adding context to like, okay, we see these good passing numbers. We see he's a good rusher. We see he was SEC player of the year. Why is he the second round pick? Those are the reasons why he's being projected as a second round pick. And it's not just because of his ACL tear. Like, I think if he didn't tear his ACL, he maybe be a late first, probably would still be projected as a second round pick. But all that being said, he's currently on keep trade cut being projected as a mid second round pick for rookie drafts. And I think if he goes in the second round, like projected, I think that's good value. And it's a smash value if some team jumps up and selects him in the first round. I mean, talk Which, about talk about a Jalen Hurts comp here, guys. Yeah, right. Like, if, yeah. If, if, yeah. I mean, if that happens, if a team drafts him in the first round, his his price will will go up to late first, and it's, uh, it's not mid. It's possible he could sneak into the late first. I mean, to your point, it only takes one team, and you know, if he is a day two quarterback, then then the the comp is going to be Jalen Hurts because that's the most successful mm-hmm. day two quarterback we've had in recent history. So, uh, I mean, that's the the path to upside there. I I think. There's, I definitely think there's validity to what you're saying, Tarek. There's probably some limitations in the, uh, his game that, you know, prevented him from breaking out earlier in his career uh, or prevented him from going to the NFL earlier than, you know, age 24 or whatever. But um, there's a lot to like here, too. Yeah. And shout out again to Hyatt. I mean, I, I don't know if it was more Hyatt or more Hooker, but they completed the deep bell very well together. And I, I I just really love both of these prospects. All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, I think we did a good job of, you know, getting pretty deep into these guys. Um, I was way more tickled by William Bootcut than, than I thought <laughs> I could be, but I, I love it. Uh, that is his nickname forever. So, uh, Mike check it's overtime. And even though we don't have a music drop for that, uh, we're going to get into some more free agency reactions Um, that we feel like our listeners should hear. So again, Trey, I'm going to kick it to you. Give us an overtime free agency reaction. I'm going to give you a name, but first I also want to just say, guys, Billy Bootcut was right there. It was right there. That alliteration was right there, guys. Billy Bootcut. I don't know. William just has a... It feels like he's buttoning up his last button, you know? It's just like... Just imagine that gif of the little girl going, why not both? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Porque no los dos. 
Yeah, right. let's switch back and forth. Billy and William Bootcut. All right, all right, all right. So more free agency reactions. Let's talk about what happened in the NFC North uh, with David Montgomery signing a deal with the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'm a known hater. I'm a known hater of Monty, but I want to talk about you know what this means for both of these backfields because I think this really severely changes what we can project for Chicago and Detroit going forward. So let's start with Detroit. I think there's a legit possibility here that we need to recognize, and it is a decently high probability. (laughs) Let's talk about what that number actually is. But of the outcome that Monty actually outproduces DeAndre Swift in 2023, because they're bringing him in essentially to take over some of that Jamal Williams role. And I'm known hater of Monty that I am. I think he can do what Jamal Williams did and arguably do it potentially better than Jamal Williams, Mm -hmm. right? So we need to think about if Monty is getting that type of workload, if he's getting that type of red zone activity, if he's getting a little bit of the passing work that Jamal Williams got, that he could be a value in that RB25 range where he is right now on keep trade cut. Meanwhile, DeAndre Swift uh, I'm a huge uh, lover, huge proponent of Swift. I've definitely cooled on him a little bit over time, uh, over what we saw last season. I think this is definitely more, you know, ice cold bathwater on DeAndre Swift for 2023. It kind of tells me that the Lions want to have this committee, that they don't want to give DeAndre Swift the number one lead role, that they want to spell him with, uh, you know, a little bit more of like a hammer type back. And that's, Arguably a good thing for DeAndre Swift. I mean, he's probably still going to be efficient. I think the question is just what is his upside really if he's never going to get, you know, more than the 10, 12, 13 carries a game? We'll see. I think, you know, with DeAndre Swift on keep trade cut, he's gone down from running back 12 to running back 18 over the last month. That feels about right for me. I don't think he should go much lower than that, but there's a real possibility he's less productive than Monty over the full year this year. Uh, before I turn it over to you guys, I just want to talk about in Chicago to fill in for Monty, uh, the bears actually brought in, uh, Donta Foreman from Carolina to take the early down work and Travis Homer from Seattle to take more passing down work, which really tells me they're not committed to Khalil Herbert either. Uh, another, uh, you know, favorite here on the pod. So I think it, it definitely limits the upside, that juiciness that we saw with Khalil Herbert going into this year, because it looks like they're committed to the committee there as well. Yeah, I go ahead. Go ahead. I, I agree with everything you said, Trey. Obviously, I'm going to disagree with that last point on Khalil Herbert. Yeah, like, me too. I here's what what I think. I think Travis Homer was primarily a special team signing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Deontay Foreman is a good running back. But I think what I would project moving forward is like last last year when both Herbert and Monty were healthy. You saw Monty kind of be like a 60, 65, and then uh, Herbert be more like a 30, 35% snap share guy, opportunity share guy. I think that probably evens out and maybe even flips a little bit more toward Khalil Herbert uh, with Deontay Foreman. So I actually like this for Herbert. Um, but that being said, I think if there's an uh, an overly artificial bump here for Khalil Herbert, um, you could explore selling him as well. Yeah. So Khalil Herbert, I, I think that he gets the first crack at this starting job. And I do agree. I think that it's going to be a committee. Um, doomsday scenario. I, I just may 
I, I feel like the Bears are going to draft Bijan. I don't know. I've been like finding that from the universe is like what where I they, think the landing what, spot is going to be. Pick eight or nine now of the Panthers pick. Is it nine? Yeah, it's it's that sounds right. It's just yeah. I don't know. Bijan could go nine. You never know. But um, let's move on to the to the main part that he was talking about here, and that's David Montgomery, one of my former favorite players. Um, been a stand for a while, even though he's been unproductive. But I wanted to tack on that, like this is more significant than Jamal Williams because of Montgomery's pass pass catching upside that uh, Jamal didn't really have, um, and that takes even more away from Swift. So I I think Montgomery had like 68 targets in 2020. So I I know it's there, and I know that um, his value is increasing, but. You guys convinced me once upon a time to jump on the uh, DeAndre Swift bandwagon, and I'm not quite ready to jump off. Um, I, I do take issue with you saying that you think that Monty's going to be more efficient than Swift. I, I mean, that, Monty's that's not what I said. I said it's a possibility he's more productive. I, I do think that Swift is the more efficient of the two, like mm-hmm. no doubt. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility that Monty scores more fantasy points than Swift. Like, right. We just saw it with with Jamal Williams and Mont- Montgomery is better than Williams. I think. Uh, let's just say I'm happy to be stuck with David Montgomery because he was pretty much untradeable for the last like two years. And now I'm kind of content with keeping him. I, I don't think that you're really going to get a whole lot of value trading him away right now at this point. Might as well just ride the wave. I think I agree with Trey that RB 25 to 30 where Monty's current value is, is probably a value. I think Trey, you were kind of hedging on Swift, whether he would be a value at RB 18 to 20. I think he's a value there. So I I think actually in this Detroit backfield, which has a really good offensive line, um, a good kind of offensive environment burgeoning there. I actually think both Swift and Montgomery represent values here uh, at their RB two price tag and Monty more like a RB3 price tag. Any other I we we kind of lingered on them for a while but it's interesting. So any other, you know, insights on Monty to the Lions? No, I I didn't price check Khalil Herbert before the pod, so I need to do that, but um I, yeah, I, I don't see how this is good news for him. I think you guys might be under uh selling Dante Foreman a little bit. He was efficient in a bad situation in Carolina. I think he can come in and replicate the production that they got out of Monty the last couple of years and maybe provide a little bit more of a hammer than what Monty is too. So uh, yeah, look Possibly. out for him. That could, I think you guys might be sleeping on him just a tiny bit. Maybe yeah. Foreman was pretty good in Tennessee too. I'm not going to lie. So he's strung together a couple good seasons, but yeah, moving on, I guess. Um, uh, so my favorite free agency signing is Darren Waller for the New York giants. I just, I absolutely love this signing. Waller's that was also a trade, by the way. Just you know, for <laughs> oh, for accuracy's sake, it was a trade. Was it yeah. really? No, oh, well. yeah, it was traded, and Fuck and then a restructured contract. Right on. Well, I'm gonna do it anyway. So Darren Waller to the Giants, 30 years old, and in his tight end prime. That it was a three year, 51 million uh, contract restructuring. Then and now we pair him with Brian Dayball and the now exciting combo of Danny Dimes and Saquon Barkley. And without a true alpha wide receiver in New York, Waller could easily step into that role. And right now, Darren Waller is actually my redraft tight end two, and he's dynasty tight end eight, according to Keep Trade Cut. Fuck that. Look, guys, like we have a tight end problem if we don't have Travis Kelsey on our roster. 
And yeah, like it's nice to have Goddard or Kittle. It'll be nice in like eight years to have Kyle Pitts. But like for the next two or three years, I think Waller is going to be top three and it could be a huge advantage uh, at that position. So if you're getting tight end eight value for for Waller, he's an absolute smash buy right now. And yeah, I mean, he's definitely caught the injury bug the last two years, but he's only two years removed from that 330 point fantasy season. And this fresh start is like best case scenario for me. Um, send him straight back to the top of the tight end list. And yeah, and not only that, the, the manager that had Waller the last two years, if they did, they might not be, they might be a little burned. So I, I really, I really think that you should go buy him. Yeah, I, I really, really like this signing uh, for the Giants as well. This trade for Waller think makes a ton of sense for this offense. So this is a big old agree here out of me. Uh, I was actually going to talk about Waller until uh, Marles took him from me, but um, no, I mean, I'll, the only thing I'll add is, uh, um, you know, he essentially steps in as the number one pass catcher for the Giants. Uh, I think, you know, even if we haven't seen Dabble uh, really funnel uh, his offense through his tight end, that doesn't mean that he won't do it with a guy as talented as Darren Waller. So just because we haven't seen, you know, Dawson Knox or, you know, whoever these other tight ends are, you know, step up in the Brian Dabble offense. That doesn't mean it can't happen uh, because we haven't necessarily seen somebody with that same level of pass catching ability as Darren Waller. So I think there's a a bright future here and reason uh, to be optimistic for him for the next two years, for sure. Our RIP to one of my favorite uh, fourth round undrafted free agent uh, rookies from last year, Dan Bellinger. Uh, yeah. He is going the way of most tight ends. Man, I, <laughs> most I don't know. Picks. See, I think this could be good for him. Like, look, guys, tight ends take forever to develop. If he's going to develop under Waller, he's a pass-catching tight end. He could be good in three years. All right. All right. Well, let's let's put a pin in the Dan Bellinger conversation. Three years from now, I'm going to hit you with that I told you so. Sounds good. All right. And then the, the thing we're going to close out with here is DJ Moore to the Bears. So like I did in halftime with Brandon Cooks, I am continuing to do non-free agent moves and focus on wide receiver trades that happen to occur during the free agency calendar window. I think this move, this was the move where the Bears traded back from 101 down to 109 or whatever it is. This was a fantastic move by the Bears. They actually now have a functional wide receiver core and a, and a general core of weapons around Justin Fields. I think it's an upgrade for Justin Fields. Like, it, you know, if Justin Fields is going to hit that ceiling, you know, from a passing perspective that we saw in college, he needs a player like DJ Moore, you know, with the supporting cast of Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. Now, I think... If it's an upgrade for Fields, if you see any value rise from DJ Moore, I think that is probably a little synthetic. Like, I think Darnold was actually elevating DJ Moore down the stretch. And I don't think at this point we can be confident that Fields will take that necessary big step forward as a passer. I think we can hope. I think the upside is there. Like I just said, if anybody's going to unlock it, it's going to be a great player like DJ Moore. But if you see DJ Moore kind of creeping up with that hype as we get closer to the season, you could explore uh, what a sell would look like. Yeah, as the start of this offseason, um, my most rostered player at quarterback was Fields and my most rostered wide receiver was DJ Moore. So I definitely backed into a stack and a lot of squads here and big fan of that. 
but I can't help but agree that it, it makes me a little nervous. I I feel like DJ Moore could have had a lot more value if he went somewhere else. But, you know, like you said, we can hope. I, I really hope that this works out because if it does, like, these two could be incredible. But, you know, we have to see if Fields takes that step forward and we'll see. Yeah, I I agree as well, guys. Uh, I don't think this makes DJ Moore a wide receiver one. You know, I think it's a similar type of situation where he already was, like you already said. Uh, And yeah, this this gives Fields another weapon to help with his development. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears added another wide receiver or two in the rookie draft as well. Uh, So they might not be done adding weapons to this offense. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it's cool to see him potentially end up in a new situation where he may be used a little bit more as that number one focal point of the offense. But I don't think this, uh, you know, catapults him up into the top tier at the wide receiver position. Yeah. Well, they, they definitely gave field some, some wide receivers finally over the past year. I mean, that's Mooney, Claypool, DJ Moore. And yeah, I don't think they're done yet. I don't think they're done. That's not great news for my guy, Valus. <laughs> Varicose Jones. Yeah, they should add JSN as well. That'd be fun. Um, You know, as I sit uh, a few miles away from Soldier Field, I say, um, go Bears, I guess. I guess. All right. That is going to do it for episode 82 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. We talked rookie quarterbacks. We talked free agents. We were off for three weeks, but we gave you all an hour and 20 minutes of, if I may say so, high quality content. So take that home with you. Uh, we're going to be back next week. You know, we missed three weeks, so we're going to try to do a couple weeks in a row here. Um, start uh, talking about tight ends and get into, you know, looking forward to that NFL draft at the end of April here. So uh, appreciate all of you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.